Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to the Early Wedge presented by BetMGM. I am your host, Eric Cohen, otherwise known as EC. If you are watching this, well, make sure to subscribe to the Sports on YouTube video or YouTube channel and like this video. And while you're at it watching things, check out the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am this weekend at 3 p.m. Eastern on Saturday and Sunday on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. There is much to discuss this week, so let's bring in the stars of the show. We have the, we'll call him the Scotty Scheffler of golf betters, the counselor, Sian Ajad, also the host. That's right. You're the Scotty Scheffler of, of golf better, the best, the number one in the world. And we're going to call him the Rory McElroy of golf writers from CBS Sports, Patrick McDonald. I hope you guys like your comparisons uh, right off the bat. But let's get right into weather. We're getting into storylines. Let's talk some weather here. That's my storyline. Let's get right to it. So I write this fantasy column for sportsline.com yesterday. And I figured the weather was going to be fine. I looked at it and it was like, great. So I log on to, to X this morning and I see Patrick's tweet and it says, this weather is going to be a disaster on Sunday. Patrick, are we going to get in 54 holes? Are we getting a Monday finish? Are they going to play 36 on Saturday? What's going to happen with this weather? Oh, geez. Uh, second week in a row, you really just tossed me a, a softball here off the bat, <laughs> EC. I really appreciate it. And the Rory McIlroy comparison, role number two, I'd love to know who the better writer is out there. Uh, if you're out there, please let me know. Um, as for the weather, it's going to be insane. And it is certainly something CBS, since it is on our network and the PGA Tour is talking about. Uh, constantly because you know what next week is and you know what uh, game is on CBS and you know where all those production team members need to go. It's Las Vegas. And so the last thing they want to do is have some sort of Monday finish like they did Mm. last year. They definitely don't want this to somehow bleed into Tuesday. That's not going to, that's not going to work. So what happens? I have no idea. The weather looks horrible. A lot of rain, an inch on Thursday, I believe. You look at Sunday, the rain kind of subsides. Well, you're hit with 60 mile per hour gust. They're not going to play. They're not playing in that. It's just not happening. No. So it hasn't really been a shortened tournament. I think Adam Scott won at the Genesis a handful of years back in 36 holes uh, when the queen passed away on the DP world tour, mm-hmm. that was 54 holes. Uh, so it, it has happened somewhat recently across professional golf, but it's certainly not uh, the usual. And I, I honestly, I couldn't tell you what's going to happen. Counselor with this uncertainty, does this make you want to bet less on this tournament than you normally would? 
It's a really good question, actually. So a little bit. So in the matchup department, and we don't have like the full allotment of matchups out yet. Don't get me wrong. We all have matchups for this show. But in the matchup department, I, I think it's kind of a case by case basis. I will tell you where I kind of wanted to scale back. You'll see when we get to the outrights. I picked two outrights, and I'll be honest about the second one. I, I was almost, well, I actually picked four outrights. There's two in the long shot department that are like kind of long bombs. But normally I would have like two or three main guys that I would be betting in the outright department. But to me, from a bankroll management standpoint, because day to day, we don't know what this weather is going to look like. And we don't know what Sunday is going to look like. We know what it's projected to look like. But by Saturday, it might be different. And we might 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 have a tournament that finishes on, on Saturday or Monday or whatever the case may be. So I'm reserving a little bit of my bankroll, especially in the outright department, for live betting. Like once, like more information is better, right? So we, we could have a scenario. We, we, we've got so much going on already with the weather, with the rain, with the wind, with the, the rotating courses for Thursday and Friday. I feel like this is one of those tournaments. Maybe you scale it back a little bit, particularly in some of those, I don't want to call them gimmicky bets, but some of the more long shot bets like your outrights. Maybe you only take one or two guys as opposed to the three or four you normally take and have have some money for a live bet. All right, well, let's stick on the long shot theme because that's your storyline, Counselor. As far as what we've seen in January, four triple-digit winners. I'm not hitting any of those. I'm not even close. The thing about Matthew Pavon, I mean, great win. Don't get me wrong. That shot over the water on 18 was phenomenal. But if you gave me 100 golfers, if you said you can have 100 golfers in the field going into Torrey Pines, I'm not picking him. If you said you can have 100 golfers at the Amex, I'm not picking Nick Dunlap. And the same thing with Grayson Murray in Hawaii. I just... You're not even close on this. Your storyline is tell us more about it. Well, what's really interesting is that because the field is so loaded, I mean, let's, I mean, if we just refer to the top, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McElroy, I mean, just go down the line, Cantley, Xander Shoffley, Max Homa. I mean, there's like some superstar power in this field. And so what that does is some of the, I, I guess, lesser players, but, but players that would have been maybe in the 30 to 40 to 50 to one market a couple of tournaments ago. Well, well, now they're in like the 80 to 90 to 100 to one market. So I do think this is a tournament, especially when you're talking about the lack of distance, the lack of prowess you require off the tee on this course. I do think it mitigates some of what the superstars do really well. And with that in mind, I really like the idea of maybe focusing on some of those more long shot E guys like, the Brian Harmons of the world, for example, that the 90 to one, the 80 to one, the Seb Strzok is like, I do think those guys have a shot, especially when we consider it's a no cut, but it's only an 80 person field. I think a lot of these guys are getting pushed down to, to odds that are really appealing, but that are also attainable. So I do think while the top of the board is, is really strong. I do think the middle to the, to the bottom of the board is, is pretty strong too. Well, we'll be interested to see what you come up with later in the show. Don't want to spoil it right now. Patrick, your storyline is very interesting as far as this is now an elevated tournament, 80 per 80 players, no cut. Uh, but a lot of these guys have not played at Pebble Beach very often, if at all. How will that affect uh, the tournament this weekend? Really attainable, but appealing. That's what I tell myself at the bar every Friday night, <laughs> see it before I go up and approach a woman. Yes. Uh, but the way I see it is, look, we have someone like Scotty Scheffler. He's making his tournament debut. Rory McRoy has only played this tournament twice. This will be his fourth appearance at Pebble Beach. Colin Morikawa is making his tournament debut. Justin Thomas rarely plays here. But on the flip side, you have someone like Jordan Spieth. The horse for the course, Patrick Cantley, horse for the course, Max Homa, the California King. So it does kind of present some weird little avenues in if you want to play the course history, if you want to play the geography, 
uh, roadmap, whatever you want. And I think it's just really interesting and, and could lead down to, like Sia said, maybe some surprise names contending once again. All right. Well, let's get into the DFS picks. And, you know, normally I would say, well, you're the guys that you like. I, I know you guys like to look at middle of the board, but let's talk about your fades. And see, I'm going to start with you. You're fading the number two player in the world who's coming off a second place finish and a win in Dubai. Yet you don't like him this weekend. Why is that? Which means I'm really fading Patrick McDonald. See, I knew you were going to make that comp at the beginning of the show. And I was like, how do I get one up on Patrick McDonald's? And he doesn't have Scotty Scheffler as his fate. So I'm clean. I'm good in that department. So here's the thing about Roy McElroy. I don't, this is because this is a DFS question. There's a couple things we should know. Pricing is really soft. So it's not like getting to Roy McElroy is tough in DFS. But because of that, he is a little bit popular. And, and when I, what I talked about on the front end with kind of long shots being able to contend here, I think I think Rory off the tee, like again, it's it's a little bit mitigated here in terms of how much how much how much he's so much better than everybody else, like off the tees. I sorry, sorry for messing that up, but the, the long and short of it is I just don't see the advantage for Rory relative to some of these other courses. So it's just an easy fade for me. I mean, I do like guys that are right above him and right below him. Like I'll play Scotty Scheffler, I'll play Victor Hovland, but I'm just not super interested in playing Rory McElroy at 11 5. All right. Now, you're the players that you're buying this week. You talked about Brian Harmon a little bit, but Brendan Todd also has a pretty good course history here. Yeah. And, and it makes sense, right? Because this is like a plotting sort of positional course. And so Brandon Todd, everybody's going to basically be in the same spot in the fairway, even shorter hitters like Brandon Todd. You got to be dialed in on approach and you got to be good with the short game. And Brandon Todd really checks all of those boxes. And we've seen that with recent finishes at the AT&T Pebble Beach. So I think Brendan Todd is just one of those players that he's not exciting. Not a ton of people are going to play him again. This is a DFS discussion. So let's just remember the context. There's so many more exciting players to play than Brendan Todd. He's just not a splash play. And that's part of the reason I like him at 7,000, given the course history, his recent history is fine. And I would say the same about Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon, the course history, there's not much of it with Brian Harmon, but he really profiles well for this course. He's got the short game around the green and with the putter, he can get absolutely hot, particularly with the putter at times. And he's dialed in on approach. He doesn't need to be long, which he isn't. So I think it's 7,600. Like this just seems like an underprice for Brian Harmon. Like don't forget if they, if, the going gets tough from a weather standpoint. Brian Harmon should just should be just fine. And if you think, well, Brian Harmon's not a winner when it comes to this field. I mean, he literally just won the Open Championship not six, seven months ago. So I just think he's a guy that's probably not getting enough attention. Now, I in, in the third spot, I could have put anybody here. I chose Brandon Wu because I just wanted to choose somebody that was going to be really different. As you can see, I, I take the Patrick McDonald approach here, and I take a bunch of cheap guys. Uh, just so everybody understands what I'm doing here, I, this isn't – me saying I don't like Victor Hovland or Scotty Scheffler or Patrick Cantler or Xander Shoffley. Play those guys if you want, but you'll you'll have the ability to play multiple guys like that if you have lower end guys that don't carry a lot of ownership, in particular. And Brandon Wu, nobody's going to play Brandon Wu. The thing about Brandon Wu that I like is his recent form. He's really been dialed on approach. And, and again, when it comes to DFS, I'm trying to be early to the party. And I don't think Brandon Wu is this like super hyper talented guy relative to the top of the field. But he is trending in a direction that I don't think people are like truly recognizing. I know he gets four rounds. This is a no cut event. So it's 6,300. If he can spike with that approach and if he can spike with the putter, then I've got somebody that nobody else has at 6,300. I see. I like hearing that. That's like the next step up from a parlay right there, counselor, to have somebody else that nobody has in DFS. I love it. That I will certainly consider when building my lineup this week. All right, Patrick, you disappoint me here. 
you know, your fade is the player that obviously has a tremendous course history and who I really, really like this week. Why are you anti-Jordan Spieth? Uh, anytime Jordan Spieth is probably going to be the highest owned guy, I am probably going to fade him. And you see the course history. You see the podium finish at the century. And I totally understand where people are coming from, but there's a ton of volatility with Jordan Spieth just in general. There seems to be an art to picking when he will play well. You can't really back it up with statistics at all. So really just ownership-wise, at 9,400, a ton of people are going to play him, so I will not. But I do like Harris English at 7,100. Not a great farmer's insurance open for him, but had a great Hawaii swing, top 15 at the Century, top 10 at the Sony Open. He's going to have to drive the ball a little better, but this is a guy who popped up at big-time tournaments last year. U.S. Open, API, Wells Fargo Championship, inside the top 10 at all of them. Uh, and then someone who Sia liked a lot last week, Emiliano Grillo. Mm-hmm. Nice T20 finish there at Torrey Pines. Irons were great. I like him when we can kind of get him on a shorter golf course where his irons can shine. T7 at the Sony Open. Uh, so at 6,800, I think that's a bargain. And then going to take a flyer on Mackenzie Hughes. Uh, he's, he's been good to me in the past. And so I kind of have a soft spot for him. It kind of feels like a, almost like a B level RSM classic week, cold weather, rainy, windy, wet irons are trending T 16 his last time here. So I'll take i I'll take a little nibble on the Canadian. Yeah, I really like that bet, and you will uh, you will see why a little bit later in the show, but thank you for explaining my logic. I appreciate that. You know, everybody, when it comes to C, and knows him as the FRL king. And by the way, Patrick is no slouch either. He has given out his many winners over time, and I know he doesn't like to give out as many on the show, but, Counselor, you would normally give out a bunch of FRLs in this particular section. However, with the two-course rotation and the weather, none are out yet. When can people find your first-round leader picks? Yeah, and I think it's because maybe because tee times aren't out yet. I'm not 100% sure why they're not out. But either way, they're not out. I keep looking to my left to see if, if we'll, we'll suddenly see them. But good question, because I do write a, an article for Sportsline, as everybody knows. So they should be in the Sportsline article, which I may have to wait to publish, frankly, because I'd like to get the first-round leaders in there. But um, it'll either be late tonight that it'll be up there on the Sportsline site or early tomorrow. So you can look forward to that. It'll have my matchups, outrights, um, but certainly my first-round leaders as well and some finishing position plays. Um, I'll say this, though, if for some reason they're not out uh, tomorrow, you can expect Thursday morning. I'm not sure when the opening tee time is. I know we're on the West Coast, but hopefully, you know, we'll see. I should have him in the article, but if not, I'll have him on the early edge on Thursday at 10 o'clock. You'll be dropping dimes Thursday morning, worst case. Uh, I'll tell you, it's frustrating, though, because we expect on Tuesday night all the lines to be out by now, as you said. And I was checking all day as well because I'm excited. You know, you are cash money. People talk about your picks in forums all over the Internet. And I'm not kidding. I'm serious. They're like, what is Sia picking this week? Let let me say this. So I I hit my two matchups last week. I hit all my round matchups. I think I lost one of them. So we're on a nice little run here. But and we almost hit Steven Yeager. He was on, I guess, the South Course on Thursday. He was one shot back. He got to the, uh, the, the par five. And he parted. Otherwise, we would have had a split with um, uh, one or two other guys. But I do want to shout out Patrick McDonald. He had, what was it, one outright last week? And it was Nikolai Hoygaard, who had a, mm-hmm. very, at 50 to 1, who had a very good shot to win that tournament. Just kind of a, you know, kind of a wonky last few holes for him. But he he was, actually, I shouldn't even say that. It was, he was one putt away from being in a playoff, wasn't he? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were one, you were one shot away, Patrick. An incredible shot by Pavon over the water. I'm thinking he's going to chunk it, go in the drink, and you're going to cash it, what, 55 to 1, something like that. That's why we watched the show, because Hoygaard is somebody I would have never considered, and I saw your, your bet, and I was like, eh, do I dabble in? So I got in live. And of course, you know, if I get in live, I'm sorry, I probably ruined your karma there. But before we get to matchups, <laughs> let's hear from one of our sponsors. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. All right, it's winning time right now. It's matchup time. And Patrick McDonald's going to start because he's given a handicap matchup. You're not, you're not picking an even where ties will count. Sung J.M. has to win by a stroke. Explain, how did you come up with this one? First, I, I just want to thank you for bringing up the pain of last Saturday uh, and really talking through it. Second runner up for me already this year. Keegan Bradley should have won the Sony Open. I will live by that one. Uh, but yeah, Sung JM has to beat outright Cameron Young minus 110. I know Cam is coming over from Dubai. A nice start there. Sung Jay coming off a miscut. Surprising one there at the Farmers. But I think it's really good opportunity to buy low on Sung Jay, just long-term, super consistent golfer, really doesn't have a flaw in his game. So I think his floor is somewhere around a top 20 this week. Cam's a bit volatile, like uh, Sia said at the top, kind of in regards to Rory McIlroy, what Cam Young does best here is a little bit mitigated. So I'm going to take the South Korean. And then Justin Thomas, minus one ton over Ludwig Ober. A lot of wedges this week. JT's wedge game is back. I think he will have the opportunity to club down off the tee more times than not, which will kind of mitigate one of his weaknesses. And while everyone is looking at the resurgence and the iron play, it's really a resurgence on the greens as well for Justin Thomas. That's what's really been buoyed uh, this top five streak. So I love him at minus 110 over the young Swede. All right. So see, you're also fading Cam Young, but you're going back to the Sam Burns train, which I mean, after what we saw at the Amex and that meltdown at the end, I mean, I'm staying away from Sam Burns for now, but you're going right back to it. Why is that? Well, the good news with the play is it's just a matchup, right? He just has to beat one guy, the same guy that Patrick McDonald is fading. So I'm not picking Sam Burns to win the tournament, although I, I suppose he's in play there if he if he gets hot, particularly with approach and on the greens, which we know he can do. But can I just point out something, Eric? Is, is Bradley Jacobs your shadow account? Because he said something about he sees such a great host. I love his energy. That That's you, right? You're Bradley? I, I, I don't want to give out my burner accounts. I just like I can't tell you, you know, Fair secrets. Enough. And by the way. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I think it's you. But uh, by the way, Joe Newenfeld, where can we find the round matchups? I think is what you're asking. So the round, just so you know, the round matchups aren't even out yet. Like, so we don't even have round one matchups out yet. Normally they would be out right now, but but they're not. So when when we get them, like that's something I'll definitely have on the early edge Thursday at 10. Those aren't usually included in my my article. Those are usually tournament matchups. But anyway, let me get to those. Brendan Todd plus 120 over Keegan Bradley. So here's the thing. I think this is a great course fit for Brendan Todd. And we see that not just with his second place finish 
last year, but he's had some good finishes on this course. It's not like an aberration. It was just that one finish second place, and he's had a bunch of terrible finishes otherwise at this at Pebble Beach. So I like Brendan Todd in general, and I also like Keegan Bradley. I think he can have a good tournament now, but when we look at the short game, especially this like this week, short game is really going to matter. I don't usually look at like around the green game too much. I usually kind of minimize that relative to other people in the industry. But given the wind and the rain and just the, the idea that Pebble Beach, you got to have good short game anyway because the greens are smaller. It's going to come into play. And Keegan Bradley, when I look at the weighted short game metrics for him versus Brendan Todd, it's kind of night and day. That doesn't mean Keegan Bradley's terrible around the green and with the putter. But especially when you condense it to the last like 20, 24 rounds, Brendan Todd really flashes over Keegan Bradley. And then when you look at the ball striking, Brendan Todd is really good, especially on a course like this. He He's fine relative to Keegan Bradley there as well. So he's got the course history going against Keegan Bradley. And even though he's not the better player, the course fit is certainly as good, if not better, for Brendan Todd. And so when I look at a plus 120 number, I mean, plus 120 is pretty great odds, right? I mean, I think you could make this minus 110 both ways, and I would at least consider Brendan Todd. But then you're going to give me plus 120, and I, I got to make it a play. So my next one is Sam Burns. We talked about beating Cam Young. I mean, when we look at the metrics for Cam Young, He'll flash here and there for a round, but like overall, it's been really bad for quite some time. And Sam Burns, we're starting to see him put together, including in that tournament where you talked about EC with the meltdown. Like Sam Burns' metrics look pretty good. I think he's a decent course fit here. And Cam Young just hasn't done enough to show me that he's a threat to any of these mid, like middle tier or top tier golfers. So I'm going to take Sam Burns minus 120 over Cam Young. All right, I have the three matchups. I'm going to fade Sung J.M. here, and I love Matt Fitzpatrick this week. I'll explain a little bit more later on, but he does thrive on links and coastal courses. There is kind of a synergy between the RBC Heritage, which is played the week after the, Ma uh, the Masters in Patrick's neighborhood of South Carolina, uh, and this particular course. Jordan Spieth also pops there, and Patrick Cantlay has good success at both courses. So Fitzpatrick won that event over Jordan Spieth last year in a playoff, so I'm going to roll with him at even money over Sung J.M. I also like Spieth. We're, um, it's a common theme over Colin Morikawa, who let me down big time, eliminated me from my cut pool that I'm in last week. I need to pick one guy to make the cut every week. Colin, you shoot five under on day one on the north course, and you do what on the south course? It was like watching me plot it. And maybe not. Okay. We'll <laughs> just put it that way. I like Spieth over Morikawa at plus 110. We talked about Spieth's history here. Six top tens in 12 events, including a win. Morikawa played in the 2019 U.S. Open with a T35, but not as much experience, albeit he is a Bay Area guy, so maybe that helps a little bit. And I'm going with a little, uh, kind of a random one. Denny McCarthy over JT Poston at plus 140. Poston has been really good lately. I mean, he's off to a, he's off to a great start. But Denny has, has been T12 and T4 the last two years here, gained nearly nine, shots, nine strokes putting combined in those years. He gained eight shots putting at the Sony Open en route to a T24. So it's not like he's an awful form but uh you know that's i i found these particular matchups at DraftKings and caesars see where did you find uh your particular matchups thank you for asking so one is at caesars and one is at DraftKings. i believe it's i think the sam burns one over cam young that's going to be DraftKings. brendan todd over keegan bradley that one's going to be caesars and, and again more matchups are going to come out across different sites so you can always kind of uh, message us and, and ask us if, if you're like for example ty moore says hey do you like todd over Bezedenhout? Uh, at plus 115. I actually don't love that because I, I, I think Cbez could have actually a, a pretty good tournament. I like how he's grading out, especially with that short game and approach metrics. So that's one I would probably stay away from, although the price is right. Plus, one, plus 115 is pretty good. I'd still stay away from it. So in terms of matchups, you know, not necessarily my number one thing to bet, but you know what is? 
finishing position bets. This is what I love. And then when I look at the rundown and I see a parlay, it just makes me so happy. And I was actually talking with producer Jake before the show, Patrick, and Jake's like, boy, I love this parlay that Patrick put together. What is it and why do you like it? Uh, Scotty Scheffler and Max Homa both to finish inside the top 20. You got to remember, it's only an 80-man field. There's no cut this week. They're going to shed the amateurs at the halfway point, but all the professionals get 72 holes. You look at Scotty Scheffler, the guy eats, breathes, and finishes inside the top 20. And then Max Homa riding, I believe it's 11 straight top 15s going back to last year as well. Very comfortable spot for him. And I, I just I just love the way both of them profile, the way both of them are playing. And so top 20, 80-man field, the top quarter of it. You get four rounds. It's pretty much like a physical fitness test at that point. The longer they go, the cream rises to the top. So I like that at plus 125. Well, we assume they get four rounds, but I guess we're kind of kind of gonna kind of find out how this plays out uh this weekend. Uh, we'll see. I I think. I my prediction, if I were to make a bet on it, I'd say this goes 54 holes and they call it on Saturday. I, I don't know that necessarily the tour really wants to do that for an elevated event, but just a hunch. Now, mm. counselor, you have three top 30 bets and you're going with a guy that you haven't mentioned before. You talked about Harmony, you talked about Brendan Todd, but Eric Cole's an interesting one, especially coming off a missed cut last week. Yeah, just so everybody knows, the reason I did T30, I mean, this is an event, again, these these elevated events designated events, if you will, they're, they're 80 players, right? So it's 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 hard to get a good price on a guy you really like in the top 40 market. With that said, if, if, if you only have the top 40 market available to you and like top 20, top 10, I think the Brian Harmon, Brendan Todd numbers are going to be palatable, at least somewhat palatable in those markets. But again, they're going to be at, at a minus price, of course, because again, only 80 people in this field. But I'll start with, with what you wanted me to start with. Eric Cole, top 30. He was certainly well inside the top 30 last year when he played here. He really profiles well here. First of all, his finishing positions, I mean, 21st, 13th, 14th, third, second, outside of the, the miscut last week at Farmers, which really wasn't the best court, course fit for him. But his finishing positions have been really dominant. And honestly, when you look at his approach and you look at his short game, he profiles so well for this course. So unless unless the weather gets the best of him somehow, uh, I don't see him falling outside of the top 30. So minus 110, I'm very willing to, to play. And then I, I already mentioned Brian Harmon, Brendan Todd at plus money. I'd be shocked if, if both of these guys were outside the top 30. I mean, I, I certainly have a little bit more confidence in, in Brian Harmon uh, rather than Brendan Todd, but I definitely think both of them can fit inside the top 30, and I'm getting plus money for both. Boy, plus money, as we always discuss, plus money, always a good thing, especially when it comes to golf bets. Going with three plus money bets here uh, for finishing positions. Let's go Jason Day, top 10 at plus 400. Eight top 10s and 14 total trips to Pebble Beach, but no wins. He hasn't had a top 10 since a T2 at the Open Championship last July, but I guess we could say he's due and he's a horse for the course. So at four to one to finish in the top 10, sounds good to me. Speaking of a guy that's red hot worldwide, a fellow Aussie, Adam Scott, top 20 at plus 190. He has top 10s in seven of his last 10 stroke play events around the world. And the one time that he did play here, or most recently, a T7 in the 2019 US Open, where I would say that the conditions were probably more difficult than an average AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am this week, though. I mean, normally that would be an obvious answer to this week. Who knows with that weather? And as Patrick talked about earlier, uh, or I, I, was it Patrick McKenzie Hughes? Uh, maybe it was you, Sia. Okay, Sia. Uh, top 40. I mean, it's, you just got to finish the top half of the field at even money. He has a T10 and T16 and five appearances here. And at the Seaside course at the RSM Classic in November, he gained more than eight strokes putting 
And so the key for him this week is the flat stick. All you got to do is finish halfway up the board and we get even money for it. Sounds good to me. And by the way, if you're going to make these bets, there's one place where it really makes sense to make these bets because it's the only sports book who pays out ties for finishing positions. And that is BetMGM. And you can also, if you're not a customer of BetMGM, what are you doing here? New BetMGM customers can sign up today and get $158 in bonus bets. Just place your first wager of at least $5, and you'll receive $158 instantly in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome with bonus code EDGE158. That's EDGE158. Now, before we get to the winners, let's hear from one of our sponsors. Can you believe the Super Bowl is almost here? It's going to be an absolute wild week next week with the Waste Management Phoenix Open, where one Patrick McDonald and I will be hanging out in the rain as it's uh, apparently uh, scheduled. It's, the forecast is not pretty there either. But let's talk about this week and outrights. Speaking of a wild weekend, uh, Patrick, I really like your first pick here. You've talked about him as Mr. California. So this is he's won, I believe, at three of the four California courses on tour but he hasn't won at this one. I would say he's due. Yep, three of the four, four wins overall out of his half dozen on the PGA Tour. Max Oma, 18 to one. The thing I like about Max is he can kind of get it done in multiple ways. He can get it done with the irons if the short game is needed and it's a scrappy week because of the weather. We've seen him come through at a wet, windy, rainy TPC Potomac when he won the Wells Fargo Championship as well. And we can see him get really hot with the putter, especially on Poana. It kind of betrayed him a little bit there at the Farmers, but I, I like him to bounce back. I like the work he's putting in. So Homa's the pick at 18 to 1. I do love Colin Morikawa this week at 20 to 1. I love the course fit. I know the history isn't there. I'm fine with him missing the cut last week after... 18 poor holes that happens to everyone, even Colin Morikawa. You see, the issue I do have, or I guess some hesitation, is Morikawa does struggle in weather. Oh, he's an open championship winner. It was a good weathered open championship. He is not necessarily the most creative player in the world, but if you give him a ton of wedge opportunities, he is number one from 50 to 100 yards, top five from 100 to 150 over the long term. So I'm willing to take a risk. I know it's a steep price at 20 to one, but I do see some value in it. It's just the weather that's making me a a little uh, more hesitant than I should be. Well, I, and I totally get that. I'm hesitant because I watched that back nine at Torrey Pines on Friday or on Thursday, and I was ready to throw something at my TV because I had an outright on Colin Morikawa, who was five under after the first day, thinking, all right, it's time to go catch Hoygaard and whoever else was up there on the board. And instead, he's going backwards, hitting shots that were not good. Can he bounce back this week at that at that price? Okay, you know what? I'll take your word for it. You know your stuff. I'm rolling with it. Now, counselor. You're picking a couple of guys that haven't won in a while, so they're trying to get off the schneid here. JT at 25 to 1, it's an appealing price, but why do you like him this week? Yeah, 25 to 1, 22 to 1 in certain places. I noticed BetMGM still has him at 25 to 1, other places at 22. So try to shop your lines, try to get the best line. So shout out to Joshua Lucero in the chat. He says, JT, right on. See, I was thinking the same thing. So JT is one of those guys, I mean, to a much lesser extent, I talked about this Well, really with almost everybody I talked about. But when I was talking about Brandon Wu, like just real quick, I'm not making a comp here, but Brandon Wu in DFS, he's just one of those guys that like to me getting four rounds, like he knowing that the game, the recent form is really trending. Like I think he could be a good DFS play. Can he win the tournament? No. 
Justin Thomas, he's trending in the same way. The, the approach game appears to be back. The short game is there. He's going to be dialed in with the wedges like Patrick alluded to earlier in the show. And so I think the price is too long. I don't think the market has caught up to where Justin Thomas's game actually is. I, I like Not to say that this is some gross misprice, but I think Justin Thomas probably should be in the like 22 to one like he is in certain places, maybe even 18 to one. I know this is a completely packed field, but I think this is a good course fit for Justin Thomas. I think he is trending in a, in a major way, not just like a soft trend. I think this, like we're really seeing something from Justin Thomas. Great course fit, great trend, like the number at 25 to one. Tony Finau is a guy I'd never bet. I truly never bet him. He always, and, and that just might might be a like a me thing. Like I just never get Tony Finau right. With that said, now that his numbers crept all the way to forty to one, I have to consider it. Last week he was pretty underwhelming, like T sixty nine, but on approach, gaining four point five six, and really on approach over the last. I mean, it's been a while. He's been really good on approach. Where he's been kind of miss is with the putter, and we saw that last week. He lost a bunch of strokes with the putter. But with these POA greens and especially with these weather conditions and, and the wet greens, like I, I think it's really tricky to evaluate who's going to be successful on these greens. So I do think Tony Finau can rebound. I mean, he did just gain putting two tournaments ago, four tournaments ago. It hasn't been there for him, but it wouldn't shock me at all if it gets there. And if it does, when you consider his approach play and is, is typically good around the green play, I think 40 to one is Again, this is a guy that probably should be in like that 32, 33 to one range. I'm catching him at 40. Now I can finally bet Tony Finau with some peace of mind. Uh, that's fair enough. Makes sense to me. Patrick, question from the chat from Josh. The tourney goes only three days. Does that benefit longer odds golfers or top tier guys? Probably longer odd golfers because Sundays on the PGA Tour in general are just a completely different beast. And I hate to bring him up because I have a soft spot for him, but look at someone like Tommy Fleetwood who hasn't mm -hmm. won a PGA yeah. Tour and how often he's been close but hasn't been, been able to close on Sunday. So it'll be inter interesting to see how they handle the announcement, you know, right? If it's just going to be they finish three rounds and then after the fact – they say we can't play anymore or if it's going to be a before fact type of deal. It's uh, it's a weird week just all around. And, and so easy, I, I do have yeah. to like make sure everybody understands if they joined us late. We're not saying with any sort of like definition that this is only going to go three rounds. We're just kind of speculating based on all the stuff we talked about at the beginning of the show. It could obviously very well go the 72 holes. Yeah, by the way, Tommy Fleetwood is on my list of can't bet him to win outright after watching what happened at the RBC Canadian Open last year when Nick Taylor, you know, ran him down. And Fleetwood had so many opportunities, even in the playoff. He's on my can't bet it on top list. Yeah, but EC, you can't do that to him because Nick Taylor, like, what was that, like a 71-foot putt? I mean, but still, was... he should have won, like, holes beforehand. Yeah. Tommy he's Fleetwood, the... yeah. You're bringing up like all my uh, skeletons right now. It's it's <laughs> I was unbelievable. With you on Fleetwood. He, yeah, I was, he, he yeah. was minus five hundred on the 18th tee. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah was, golf betting is some of the most painful experiences when it comes to to it, it is. I mean, there's you know you you watch a football game or a basketball game and you lose on a last second shot, but you invest four days in the golf tournament and you get all the way down. I mean, if you had Mito Pereira at the what was it 2020 to uh pg or 20 was it 2021 or 2022 pga championship and, and it, yeah and then he just collapses on the 18th i had him i had a live bet on mito at that point and the dude hits it in the wilderness and then double bogeys doesn't even make a playoff like you can't ever bet that guy to win again even on live he just he's not gonna win it just he doesn't have it 
you know, last week what we saw uh, Jaeger, I mean, he just wasn't, he's a guy down the stretch. I'm just personally, I need to see something before I pick him to win. That's just my take on it. Uh, See, David Talk has a question, or he brought up a great bet, actually, a parlay uh, on uh, on our chat here. Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Max Homa, top 20 at plus 290. Do you like the odds for those three combined? No such thing as a great three-leg parlay. That's my answer. I mean, listen, I, I think it's fine. I would never bet that. Like to one, like one of those three guys, we're talking about the top 20 market. This is like full of talent, really like down the board. Uh, one of those three guys has a misstep. I mean, don't get me wrong. Plus 290 is, is a really nice number. I just generally don't bet those. If you want to put two in a parlay, I get that. Three, I think you're pushing it when it comes to golf, which there's just so much variance. C is not going to want to hear my uh, my one of my long shot bets. Uh oh, but let me get to my outrights here. I'm going. I know Patrick was fading him earlier. I'm going Jordan Spieth here at uh, plus two uh, plus two thousand, so twenty to one. Uh, you can you know shop around eighteen to one is where I've seen him, but twenty to one is the best number. As we talked about, a win in six top tens and twelve appearances at Pebble Beach. He gained six strokes on the green to finish third at the Century, as Patrick mentioned. And this is just one of those courses where I would blindly bet Jordan Spieth. And the other one where you blindly bet him, well, I guess there's two of them, Augusta National and then uh, Harbortown right afterwards. He's just great at all three of them. At the history, horse for the course, I, I know he's going to be high-owned in DFS. I- I'm putting my money where my mouth is on Jordan Speed. I also, my, if you were to ask my one and done, my top pick this week, it's Matt Fitzpatrick. You can get him as high as plus 3,500. You know, when he uh, played here in 2019, he had a T12. He was T6 at this event in 2022. He excels on link style and coastal courses, and he also excels on courses with small green complexes. So a few of those courses where, let's say, the greens are smaller than most, Harbor Town, where he won last year, the Country Club, remember the 2022 U.S. Open, which he won, and Pebble Beach. Wouldn't you say he's due to complete the trifecta? At that price, sign me up. I'm good with that. All right, finally, it's the long shot section. Now, I do my parlays here, but the guys have – some long shot bets. Sia, we'll start with you on this one. You're going back to a guy that you talked about earlier in the show, the sweet swinging lefty, Brian Harmon. Yeah, no need to belabor the point on Brian Harmon. 90 to 1 is just too long for Brian Harmon. I, I actually think he has win equity here. And again, we've seen him very recently win with this type of cast in terms of the talent of this field. So again, I think he's a good course fit. I think he can get hot for four rounds. 90 to 1, a great price. Sepp Straka, I mean, I, I got to be honest with Sepp Straka, among all the long shots, like I considered a lot. Grio was the one that I considered. Adam Shank is one I considered. The problem with Sepp Straka is his around the green game. And if that really becomes a factor and if he's if he's as bad as he normally is around the green, like he kind of has no shot here, especially this particular week. But at 110 to 1, knowing that he also has win potential, he's actually cashed in on outrights before. And, and the fact that he can get so dialed in with the approach game, I just think at 110 to one, I think I'm willing to speculate with a guy that I know can close on Sunday and a guy that I know can get hot with the putter and be dialed in on approach. All right. I, I got to admit, he's also on my X list. There's, last week, I had a parlay of three matchups. I needed Sepp Straka to make a birdie on his last hole on Thursday, and he bogeyed it. Not A, a par would have tied me against Eric Cole, and he lost it with a bogey on a par five. What are we doing here? Come on, come on, <laughs> Seth, you're killing me. All right, Patrick Harris English, you're back on. Uh, you're back on our guy here. Plus 110, 110 to one. Why do you like him? I don't think I've heard a better harp on his losses as much as yes. you. Yeah, I'm bitter. 
I'm you gotta, a matchup. It yeah. wasn't even an outright. You gotta snap, you know, snap the wrist, walk away. Snap the wrist, walk away. No, Harris I, English. I, I harbor, I harbor, I harbor my losses. Go ahead with English. Harris English, hundred ten to one. Like I said during the DFS segment, he's gonna have to drive the golf ball well. But we saw him pop up in big time tournaments. This is a guy who has won big time tournaments before. This past season, contended at the API signature event, Wells Fargo signature event, the U.S. Open as well. Super volatile, super boomer bust, but that's kind of what you want down in triple digits. So I will take the former top 10 player in the world at 110 to 1. I couldn't pick a triple digit winner to save my life. Let's be honest. Uh, I trust you guys for that, me. So I just do parlays in this section. Going top 10 parlays, Spieth and Max Homa. Patrick gave the rationale for Homa. Uh, Spieth, uh, I gave the rationale for him. I think Homa, I mean, that was the third guy that I, that I wanted to add if I were to do a third outright. I think Homa very well could complete the California slam uh, this particular week. The California sweep, you know, four wins, six top tens and 11 California events since playing here in 2021. You're getting that at seven to one for a top 10, and that includes ties. Uh, and a top 20 parlay, cover your ears, see ya. Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, Matt Fitzpatrick, plus 600. I like Xander here, five top 10, or just in general, but he has five top 10s in his last five on American soil, and he was T3 at the U.S. Open in 2019. All right, before we end this show, we're going to talk about a couple of players. I'm going to ask you each about one player that we have not discussed. Patrick, I'll start with you. Patrick Cantlay, really good course history here. Recent form, not so good. Which way are you leaning this week? I do not like to bet on Patrick Cantlay in bad weather environments because of his injury history. If you have heard him talking about how much work and effort it takes for him just to get ready to play around at golf, it is very extensive given his back. Uh, so because of that, because of some shortcomings with the irons and the putter recently, I'm okay passing on him, but I totally understand if you want to. The guy's a stud. Um, and Alex, Alex Alex Jones asked in the chat if he has if I have any thoughts on live this week. I kind of like Joaquin Neiman. Me too. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. What so, are the odds on on Neiman? Do you guys fourteen know? to one? Fourteen. Okay. Yep. That's so who I that, wrote up in the in the live column that I put on uh, Sportsline. Neiman was my top guy. Good call there. Yep. Cool. Uh, see, I want to ask you about Victor Hovland, last year's FedEx Cup champion. We went the whole show, pretty much didn't talk about him. Your thoughts on him this week? I like Victor a lot. Actually, he was he was potentially an outright for me. I think it was, what is he, 14 or 12 to 1 at this point. It was a little too short given the talent of the field and given the fact that we haven't seen a ton of Victor lately. I think I'm going to play him in DFS. I'll say that. I think he's fine in the outright market. I'll probably wait and just try to catch maybe a longer number after day one or day two. That, that, that's one of those things where... That's why I'm trying to reserve some of my outright bankroll, maybe for a guy like Victor Hovland. Maybe I catch him at 20 to one after he slips a little bit or somebody gets really hot in round one or round two. I think Victor Hovland's going to have a great tournament. And, and for the record, when it comes to the weather, uh, we know that, that that shouldn't phase him one way or the other. So I think Victor's a great play. This will be a fascinating weekend to watch. And who knows if we're going to have a Monday finish, we may have to, we may not have certain lines out on Tuesday night when we record this show next week for my favorite tournament of the year the Phoenix Open. But guys, uh, great show once again. want to point out, everybody, you know, go to Sportsline. If you're a Sportsline member, between the uh, between the three of us, we have five columns up. I have a fantasy rankings column and I have live up this week. Sia has his expert picks column, which hopefully will have first round leaders if they ever released. Patrick has a strategy and a best bets column that you do not want to miss. So check that out 
uh, on Sportsline. Want to thank our producer, Jake, as always, for putting together a fine show. Want to thank the counselor, Sina Jad, the great Patrick McDonald, IMEC. As I always like to say, let's hit it big. Good luck. Good luck.